Has planning replaced prayer in your ministry? That is the topic of today's ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Marshall Fan, welcome back to GFA's podcast, ReChurch. Glad to have you. I have a familiar voice with us. goes by the same name. This is the fourth podcast we've done together. Marshall, introduce yourself. Wow. Yeah, I'm Marshall Fant IV, and I am pastor at Harvest Baptist Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And it's a privilege to serve here in ministry. Really, really appreciate the opportunity and the blessing it is to serve. Yeah, and congratulations. You just had your third daughter, your fourth child. Yes, we did. Uh, end of December, we ended up having our third girl and our yeah. fourth child, so we now have fours. Yeah, and I had the time. privilege of seeing her yesterday. So um, as a grandfather, I get to spoil them and then send them back to you. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun, right? A lot of fun. Okay. Of fun All right. Back to, back to the topic at hand. All right, Marshall, the reason I called you earlier to set this podcast, I want to read for you a quote. There's a new book out by Paul Tripp. The name of the book is Lead, 12 Gospel Principles for Leadership in the Church. And what he's doing is tracking, really, safeguards to put in your ministry to prevent a ministry fallout one way or another. And here's a quote on page 48 in uh, the book Lead. Achievement has become dangerous when it tempts us to replace planning with prayer. Your leadership community is in trouble if your leaders are more excited about a strategic planning meeting than a prayer meeting. And so the reason it hit home with me on this topic is because in ministry, and again, you work with me and beside me, and you're still leading that church. I know the way y'all operate. Planning is part of what we do, isn't it? Right. You've got to plan. You've got to set out goals for yourself and for your church. So people know where you're going so they can look forward to the future and have an idea of the direction you're headed. And you can also evaluate whether or not you're being successful in your ministry. Yeah. So it's important. So planning is absolutely, absolutely important. But I thought this quote you sent me was very valuable because he's, you know, we, we are, we get so tied up in planning sometimes we'll set aside whole days for planning, but do we do the same thing for prayer? We ought to not replace our prayer time, the, the leaning on that prayer with a mm. sort of um, planning sessions, strategic planning sessions that, you know, if we're not careful, those can't take the place of prayer. We don't stop to ask God where we should go, what we should do. Instead, we, we just forge ahead, assuming that we know where we're going. Yeah. So if you think of a typical week in a church ministry, you plan out the week. You're planning Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You're planning other activities. You're planning what's going in the bulletin or what songs you're singing. I mean, there is a lot of planning that happens, and it becomes routine. And right. I think this quote by Tripp kind of puts a, a a sobering thought in the whole process. So I think when you look at it, prayer and planning should go hand in hand, right? Absolutely. But prayer must also be a priority within the local church. All right, so what I want to walk through here is several intentional parts of prayer that a church can exercise to make sure this is what's important. Okay, does that that make sense where we're trying to go? Absolutely. All right, so what I want to introduce is first a season of prayer 
this really started harvest. I want to give the history, and then I want you to fill in how it looks today. About 1998, one of our men came to me, one of our deacons, his name's Roger Every, and he came to me and said, Pastor, do you think, or he called me preacher, preacher, do you think God's going to ever use our church? I said, well, Roger, I certainly hope so. He said, well, do you think so? I said, I certainly hope so. He said, well, I said, so what are you talking about? He said, I don't think God's going to use us unless we learn to pray. And we need to have a season of prayer. I said, well, tell me what you're thinking. So he said, well, we need four straight Saturdays with a 24-hour prayer chain. And I think we need to pray in 30-minute slots. I said, Roger, that's great, but we don't have 17, but 17 people. And 24 hours times two is 48, and that's, I don't think we can do that. And he looked at me, and he said, Preacher, I will pray for every slot not filled. So that was back in 1998, and that started a month of prayer. So it's a 24-hour prayer chain, and it takes 30-minute slots. So, Marsha, what I want you to pick up is many, many years later. So we're recording this in 2021. So what does the month of prayer, the season of prayer at your church, what does that look like today? Yeah, before I jump into that, I do want to say about Roger Every, and one thing that is very important to remember about him was he had a lot of physical limitations. I did. Thank you for bringing that out. Yeah, and and here's a guy who, for a lot of people, would have sat around and not done much, but he found that he could pray. That was one thing he could Yeah, because he couldn't drive. He had heart problems. He had vision problems. He had all kinds of issues, and I remember that that was something he could do. Yeah. And he took it very seriously, and he saw the power of prayer. He saw a lot of prayer answered. So fast forward to today, and we still have our month of prayer. We look forward to it. We prepare for it. We sometimes uh, will even uh, have prepared messages on prayer leading into the month of prayer. We've done all kinds of things to get people's hearts ready. And so sometime, usually it's in November. And the reason we chose to have that month is because our one of our main outreaches of the year is our Christmas banquet, our community Christmas banquet which is normally the first or second weekend in December. Yeah, yeah. And so leading into that, we have decided to back up the four prior Saturdays and make those days of prayer. So it goes from 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. on Saturday night. You know, it goes mm, the entire yeah. day. And and we have, uh, we put out sign-up sheets first. And so that normally, you know, it takes a while sometimes for those sign-up sheets to fill out. And I have to be honest, almost every year we gather together as a staff, we look at the sign-up sheets after the first couple of weeks and we say, all right, which one of us is going to be taking multiple spots? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I usually hold off on signing up until, the, you know, there are certain slots that are the ones everybody wants. There are certain slots that are very easy to get filled. You right. know, surprisingly, actually, the middle of the night, and early morning and late at night, those are not hard to fill. People don't mind getting up at two in the morning or getting up at six or whatever, you know, yeah. staying up till 10, 30, yeah. 11 o'clock at night. The most difficult ones sometimes are the middle of the day because you have to stop what you're doing, you have yeah. to find a place, and you have to spend some time. Cut off the football game, November. Cut off, Cut the, off the football yeah, game. <laughs> yeah. And you're in November, right? Yeah. It's yeah. football season, and this is very popular around here. So. That is something that we still do. We still promote it. But, you know, it's amazing. We've seen God's faithfulness, and we've seen our people respond to the challenge of prayer every year that that thing fills up. Now, what has happened the past couple of years is 
the way we have it signed up. We, you know, we'll have a sign up sheet and we'll pass it around sometimes. Occasionally we'll have multiple people signed up and we'll have empty slots. So we then go and we call people. We say, look, there's like three people signed up for this slot. Do you mind picking one of these slots? And there's nothing magical about having a 24 hour prayer chain. Yeah, we understand that. Yep. Yep. But it is something that I think is good to challenge people. Yeah to to step outside their comfort zone we've had people who say i don't know if i can do that and what i normally respond with is well you don't know until you've tried and also why don't you find a a partner Mm -hmm. so it's your spouse or get your son or daughter to join with you or your parent or whatever and we've had some father-son teams pray for you know half an hour together and that's just been such a great tradition here that has blessed us tremendously. It takes a little bit of work because you have to lead into it. You can't just surprise people with this. You there have you to prepare them for it and lead them into it and show them the importance of it so that you can do it. So I think there's several you know, preparations key. And again, I, I love the way you say people need to be challenged, but they need to be challenged, but they also need to be equipped. And you made a comment. So I know in the past you've preached on prayer, either leading up to the month of prayer or during the month of prayer. Right. And so you yes, make and- it. Go ahead. You know, I was saying just pick uh, sometimes on a Sunday night, I'll do a series of Sunday night sermons or I've actually we have three pastors here. I have given us all, you know, a responsibility or, you know, say we're going to preach on prayer during this time. We we have done things where we have preached with a focus on prayer leading into the month of prayer. So people are right. thinking about it. You know, we think people ought to think about prayer all the time. And of course, you know, we're told to think about prayer. We're told to pray without ceasing. But the average person is not is not really pondering these things. And if you were to tell the average person in your church, I want you to spend 30 minutes straight of prayer, they're going to look at you and they're, they're going to be con- just scared almost. They're going to think, I, I don't know if I can do that. And so equipping them and taking away that factor and also giving them what they need to accomplish it and preparing them for it and getting their hearts in the right place, it will bless them. They will grow tremendously through it. And I think uh, I've heard you and others say, you know, you can divide it up into like three 10-minute slots. Sure. And be, right. you know, one may be just thanking God for what he's provided. Another one may just be thanking God for who he is. And maybe another 10 minutes of thanking God for the opportunity to pray and what are the requests. So I know you've done all this, but what other advice would you give to pastors and deacons as they prepare their church to go through a season of prayer? And again, there's nothing in Scripture about a 24-hour prayer chain, but what other advice would you give pastors or church leaders as they hear this and understand and, and trying to say, okay, yeah, we need to do that? There are two simple things that I encourage people in prayer, especially as I'm discipling younger believers who struggle in this area of prayer. There are two things. One, I say, pray out loud. Um, Don't pray without talking. Pray with your voice. And I always share, you know, I, I have to do that. Because I found that if I don't pray while speaking, that my mind wanders. Sure. And I'll be praying one minute, and the next thing I'm thinking about something completely different, and I've been off track. And how did I get there? I don't know. <laughs> it just happened, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and sometimes that's just our frail human condition. Maybe that's my lack of spiritual discipline, whatever. I found that in light of that, I do better when I pray with words, when I speak words to the Lord. And so I always tell people do that. And if they want to 
go a little bit more in depth, perhaps the next thing I say is we'll write out some prayers. Mm, okay. You take a notebook and just write out some prayers to the Lord. You will find those will be beautiful treasures for you to, you know, to remember, put the date and don't share it with everybody on Facebook. Don't take a picture of it and put it on social media. Just, just between you and God, yeah. write out your prayers to him and it will deep in your prayer life because you'll be thinking intentionally about what you're saying and what you're asking. It'll also reveal a lot about what is important to you. If it's all prayer requests and not a lot of praise, perhaps that mm. shows you need to readjust your thinking. I also was thinking about your, um, what you were saying about 10 increments. You know, you could pray for the past, you know, yeah. thanking God for the past to yes. pray for endurance in the present and pray for right. his will in the future. There are all kinds of different ways you can break up 30 minutes that, yeah you know, different groups. So within the church, without the church, the saved, the unsaved, et cetera, there's a lot of ground to cover. And I know a couple of things that you have done leading again, your month of prayer leads up to an evangelistic outreach. So I know the guests that may be coming to this, you have a list of those and I know you pray for those people that are coming. Right. What other, we have a list of those. Yeah. Yeah. What other tips would you give? All right. So you're talking to pastors that have not led their church through an extended season of prayer like this. What, what would be some unexpected challenges you mentioned um, like three people sign up for one slot and nobody signs right. up for another. So you meant that was very good. Okay, just ask them to move around. What other unexpected challenges? Well, you can expect use? whenever you're making spiritual steps forward, there is going to be spiritual opposition. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like uh, anything in particular, but you can expect there to be additional challenges. Uh, we used to call it around here, stir in the pot. Like <laughs> things are going to get stirred up, you know, yeah. and yeah. and as people are praying for things, God moves. And these are some sweet times in ministry where it, God does tremendous things. You see people repent and people who you never thought would come to Christ, you know, uh, yeah. come to him. And then you also see lots of opposition as well. So you should not enter into a month of prayer thinking that it's business as usual. I think if you do it right, as God works and as Satan opposes, you're going to have you're going spiritual have warfare. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and we don't know exactly why and how prayer works the way it does. We know that God tells us to pray, and He promises to listen to our prayers, and that He will act on our behalf when we pray. And so, it's serious business, and we ought to expect, expect to do things when we pray to Him. All right. What else on that season of prayer? What what would be some unexpected blessings, maybe unanticipated blessings? You mentioned. Uh, well, I think you ought to anticipate the blessings for sure. And but there, I think you'll be surprised that first, uh, as you preach. I mean, I noticed this. It's been said multiple times, maybe even already on this podcast, that as the prayer continues, as the month of prayer goes on, the time in the pulpit gets sweeter, yeah. and that the people are more responsive to truth. As they've been spending time with God on Saturday, they come into church on Sunday and are more willing to listen to the truth. So mm -hmm. you have that sweetness uh, of the Spirit and the fellowship of the Spirit that's there. Yeah, I know in one of the testimony times afterwards, I remember the quote that if prayer hasn't changed me, I need to keep praying. Because it, it does change, and I used to think that the Sunday after the last Saturday of prayer was the most, you know, the easiest Sunday or the most anticipated Sunday for me to preach, and I think you found the same thing, true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think all of those Sundays, as it, you know, there seems to be a real, um, you know, 
blessing of the spirit during that time. But I would just say, keeping it in front of people, don't let people forget. Yeah. Sending out email reminders and telling people to pray for the people ahead of them and behind them in the prayer chain. So, yeah. Uh, oh, that's a good they, point. Say that, say that yeah, again now. So, so you got a list so of who's praying before you and we after published you. Published the list. Yes. Yeah. So the Sunday before the Saturday, it starts. We make a big deal about it. We publish the list as a handout in our bulletin. A sheet of paper that has every time slot and every person who's going to be praying in every time slot. And we tell people, take this with you, put it in your Bible, and when you pray for your slot, you pray for the person who just prayed before you, you pray for the person after you, before you um, finish your prayer time, you continue to pray for both of them. And it's sweet knowing that as you're getting ready to kneel and pray, that there's someone who's been praying for you, and then you're going to pray for them too. That builds church unity as well. Any other unexpected blessings? I know that, again, we were able to partner together there and work together for many years. There were people that would come to Christ during the latter part of the month of prayer. And I think of several of our you know, members' children that would get saved during that time because I think in the spiritual awareness has been escalated in the right. home. Anything else you want to say there? I think that about covers the majority of the prayer for the entire church part. When you're rolling out this, I would encourage people to consider doing this. But again, if it's going to be successful, you've got to have enough lead time to prepare people for it. You know, lead them to this so that they're ready to jump on board. Yeah, let me throw in one other thing before we move any further. I think we made a couple of at least two attempts, I know, to make this happen more than once a year. And it just fell flat. You got any comments on that? Yeah, I don't know why that is. I think that there's a lot of busyness in the world, and it's easy to to remember this annual thing. And perhaps it helps people grow in their spiritual walk so that they are spending more deeper times in prayer. But as far as a full church focus on prayer, you know, you're right. For us, it really is about once a year, it it has the best impact on our church. It'd be great if it was every Saturday, right? But that's just not—that's just not—yeah. And maybe some churches could do that. I don't know. But we right. we never found it. All right. So other times of prayer, I'd also like you to comment on your church staff praying together. Right. So our church staff meets together. We have staff meeting on Tuesdays because we take off Mondays. And um, we come together Tuesday. We have prayer requests from our church that were turned in on Sunday. So the way our church does communication is we have a little card. We call it a blue card just because it's blue. Some people call it a connect card. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Right. And it's for everybody. So it's not just for the guests. It's for every person, member, attender, whatever. And we ask everyone to fill one of those out. We put each one in each bulletin. And when they're turned in now, right now, during the COVID issue, COVID situation, we're not actually passing our offering plates. We have our baskets at the exit. Uh, We used to pass the plates and they would just put them in there. Yeah. We have a basket in our vestibule, our welcome center, and people can leave and put them in there. But we actually have a time, and I I really like this. At the end of our service, rather than interrupting our service with a offertory time of offering, at the end of the preaching time, we have a—what used to be our offertory is now what we call our meditation time. And during meditation time, I, I go back up for a moment. I tell everyone to take a seat, and I say something like, now's a good time to fill out the back of your blue card. If there's any spiritual things that we can help you with, please let me know. Any prayer requests, please put them down. And people write in prayer requests and turn them into us. So we gather those requests that come from Sunday. We get some online as well, and we divide them up among the church staff. 
And every day we meet as a church staff. Can I, I need you to pause a minute. A couple of things, because sure. I've, I've seen you do this, and you're taking it for granted. All right, so with the cards, there's also a spot for spiritual decisions you're making. Today I trusted Christ. I need to be baptized. I have right. a spiritual problem. I've forgotten how those are worded. But you make all, any spiritual decision somebody's making, you make it available on that card, as well right. as prayer requests. So people can yeah. correct. So people can respond privately and not feel like they're being called out publicly. And I right. know churches do it different ways. We sure. found this to be a great way to, for right. people to respond, and then we follow up afterwards. And then again, I'm just saying what you what you're not saying. Okay, so I'm being a father. Okay, right? yeah, sure. So I also know that you tell people you commit to people that when you put your prayer request down, we as a church staff, we meet to pray. We'll pray for your request every day. Right. I tell them that. I yeah, I know you do. That. That's yeah. the reason you, I'll... you will be. Yeah. You will be prayed for. And and we even get prayer requests. This is not a blue card, but we get prayer requests from our website. People, yeah. I have no idea who these people are. They'll find us online. And I always reply to them and say, you know, do you have a local church? We will pray for you in yep. our staff meeting. But we do meet together. And when I say staff, I mean pastors. I mean our administrative assistant and our janitorial workers, our housekeeping. Yeah. Everyone meets together, and we— Not just on Tuesday, but you're saying y'all meet Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for prayer. Well, our our staff with our housekeeping yeah. staff meets together on Tuesday. Right. Our but, pastors and administrative assistant meet together the rest of the week. But what I'm trying to yeah. say is y'all are gathering every single every day. working day that y'all are in the office. Y'all are gathering for yeah. prayer, and the people know that. Yes. So yes. they know those requests be prayed for by the staff, by the church staff, every day. Right. And and we take the requests, we divide them up, we initial yep. on the top of which cards we're, we're mm-hmm. praying for, and then we pass them around the next day so we get a chance to pray for everybody's requests. Some of the requests are labeled as private, and right. some are for the prayer sheet, which mm-hmm. I would encourage you, if you don't publish a church prayer sheet, you ought to have a midweek prayer service, and you ought to publish a prayer sheet that has ongoing prayer requests for folks, because that is a way to draw close to your church family. When you remember that so-and-so's had a surgery about, you know, so-and-so's uncle had a knee surgery last Tuesday, and, and you're checking in on on these things. And when you pray for things, you remember yes, you do. Uh, about these things. And so it's one way to really, um, to really help your ministry to people as well as to see their blessings because of the ministry through prayer. So we have the we have the time of prayer every single day among a staff here, and we also pray for each other in the staff meetings, too. So don't you think that daily staff time of prayer builds unity on the church staff? Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. In yeah. fact, that is one of the, the things that has been such a big blessing for us is just the time together. It's hard for you to be in conflict with someone when you're praying mm. next to them, Amen. as I think you've said before. And yeah. it's so true to to gather and pray together is, is essential for church unity, for staff unity. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now other times of prayer, you have a Wednesday night prayer service? Right. We have a seven o'clock midweek prayer service like many churches do. We do a couple things maybe a little bit differently than some to try to maximize our prayer time. Okay. We have basically we arrive at seven. I start right at seven o'clock. What happens is we keep some clipboards in the welcome center where people walk in, they can jot down a prayer request. We have a volunteer who gathers those little slips of paper, makes copies, and passes them out to the church family as we're doing a little bit of housekeeping at the beginning of our meeting. But my goal is to get everybody to prayer time no later than 10 after 7. And that is, it might sound crazy and aggressive, but 
we don't take a lot of prayer requests from the floor. And because what you've found is when you take those prayer requests on a clipboard, then prayer requests, we spent too much time taking prayer requests and not enough time praying, right? So that's somebody right, recommended right. And, this. And some of that's, yeah. Yeah, some of that's unavoidable in that, yeah. you know, people come in late and they want to add. And I'll sure. ask, you know, are there any last minute additions? But yeah. the, the rule, you know, that's the exception. The rule is when you come in, please try to write your prayer request down. Then we split up into small groups, and that gives people 20 solid minutes to yeah. pray okay. before we have our time of Bible study. And so, what I like about that is you got 20 minutes of prayer instead of 15 minutes of prayer request and five minutes of prayer. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then anything else on Wednesdays you want to mention? So we've got the seasons of prayer. We've got the daily times of prayer with the church staff. You've got your weekly prayer meeting, but also during Sunday morning, don't you have a set aside time of prayer from the pulpit? Right. There are, there are a couple of things that, yes, added to that, that we're trying to make prayer a, a big priority here. Number one is I have a pastoral prayer for the beginning of the service. Every Sunday, I will get up and make a few announcements, and then I'll read a passage of Scripture, usually a short psalm or something that ties into the theme of the day, theme of the message, theme of the music, everything ties together. We try to. Right. And then I'll pray for our church and for the service and for any urgent requests. And I'll pray for all that and, and ask God's blessing and for his presence to be there for us to put aside distractions and to focus on truth. And it's really my opportunity to pray for our church. And it's kind of a time of settling yeah. and a time of quiet, and you're trying to help people prepare their hearts and really focus in on what's getting ready to happen, because that's when the, the way I try to say it is that's when the worship begins. The worship begins yeah. when I read the passage of Scripture and pray. You know, we say announcements at 11 o'clock, and then by about 11.03 or 4, then we read the Scripture, pray, and that's that's the beginning of the worship service. Yeah, so it really your prayer is a call to worship as well. It is. Yeah. It's not a super formal prayer. I no, never write no. anything out right. yeah. or anything like that. It's not a—it's straight just from the heart. It's my desire for the people to, to draw close to the Lord during this time. But I know you also you've been meditating on your sermon. You've been meditating on the right. order of service. So the prayer should be an outflow of what you've been preparing for all week as a pastor. Is exactly. that a fair way to it put it? It kind of sets the stage, right, for the response, because I believe that every sermon ought to be responded to, that, that the Scripture as it's preached— yeah. Ought to call people to respond in obedience and repentance. And so there's some sort of call implicit in the text, you know, in the Bible. And so similarly, I'm already starting to think to call people towards that as I pray for them before the sermon's even preached. Okay. Any other comments other, on that? Yeah, there are other areas of prayer that we have developed and we have uh, okay. put together. You know, of course, when we meet on Wednesday nights to pray, it is very unstructured. The prayer time is there are several groups that meet. There's a men's group that kind of sits towards the front, kind of undoes a few chairs and gets in a rough circle and prays together. There's a ladies group and there's couples that pray together. There are young people, old people, whatever. It's very yeah. unstructured and that's intentional. We want people to gather and pray. Uh, but I, I wanted to mention that during COVID, one of the things I know a lot of churches are struggling to figure out how to make church work. But when we sat down and met with our leadership, with the deacons and pastors here, I, I said, I said, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to continue our services, including our Wednesday night prayer meeting, which is really hard because how do you have a yeah. prayer meeting with no one there? Yeah. But we wanted to emphasize the importance of prayer. So mm. we broadcasted a prayer meeting. We had people, we set up a text line. People were texting in prayer requests. Yeah. And we had all of our pastors divide up the prayer requests. And we, it was only about half an hour. 
but we would do a prayer time every Wednesday night from about seven to eight or seven, sorry, seven to seven thirty. And, you know, that kind of focus on prayer that just because we're not here doesn't mean we can't pray together. The other thing we've done in the past several years is we have a 6 a.m. men's prayer time, a men's group that meets together at our church every Friday morning at 6 a.m. Yeah. And so that's hard, but I ask all of our pastors to be here. So all three of us are here. And there's normally about 12, 12 or 13 guys who gather yeah, around and, yeah. and pray together for about an hour. Well, we mm. actually, we pray from about 6 to 6.30. And then one of our men here gives us a, a challenge or a devotional from about 6.30 to 7. Wonderful. Now, let me say one, a couple other things just to kind of wrap it up. This is my observation, okay, that when a church makes prayer a priority, people find time to pray. And what I mean by that is there's also a group of ladies at your church that gathers about 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon or 4.30 or something like that. And they call it— Well, they the, actually—they were actually just here today. Oh, okay. All right. They call <laughs> they, it— They were the, here uh, midweek. Yeah. The tip group, Together in Prayer. Yeah. And yep. these ladies have bound together, and again, it's a group. They have their agenda of what they're praying for. And I think this is a— to me, it all started back when Roger Every said we need a season of prayer. So what I kind of just want to say is it's contagious or once you see this happening, of course, we don't manipulate God, but you draw closer to God as you pray to God. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the ladies, mm-hmm. they've uh, they've changed their, their schedule oh, a little bit okay. uh, because of everything. But they were here today. In fact, it's funny you mentioned them in my notes to, to bring up. They pray. And, uh, and they're probably they preaching some when they pray. <laughs> they probably <laughs> yeah, are. They yeah. probably are. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. there, there are other things you can do to just kind of somewhat on, not in your face, but... It, Subtly, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Subtly show the importance of prayer. Yeah. We have a binder that someone in our church put together of all of our missionary prayer letters in a little binder. Yeah. It's a prayer binder, and it stays in our welcome center and in our soft seating area or mm. at our welcome desk. And anybody sitting there can pick up that thing, and it says, you know, please leave this book in the welcome center right on the front. And it's for people to flip through and pray for our missionaries. And I know in the Welcome Center, it's open during different times of the of the day, I mean, like on a Sunday. So people can come in and pray during choir practice or whatever, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we we try to promote all of these things, not just um, formal times of prayer, but the whole attitude of even informal or, or some or private prayer, making that possible. That's great. Anything else you want to put out there? Um, you know, I think another aspect of prayer that's important as a pastor is to to pray with people when they're going through hardship. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've made a habit and somebody is comes to me and they say, Pastor, I've got a problem. You know, I found out I have cancer or I found out I have this serious situation. We just stop right then and there. No matter mm-hmm. where we are, we could be standing mm-hmm. in the middle of the hallway. Yeah. We stop right there and we pray together. Yeah. And and just showing the priority of of prayer, and I'm sure a lot of pastors do that. But getting up early in the morning and driving to the hospital and praying with people in the parking lot before they go in for a surgery, yeah. or encouraging small group prayer, all these things that you know they're very important. And praying for people, calling people, and praying with them on the phone, you just don't know. I don't realize, but people have told us, you know, that is just so meaningful to have your pastor call you and pray with you on the phone. Now, I also know Pastor Randy would go and make an appointment with people and pray with him in the driveway, right, during COVID right. when nobody could go in. Right. And we I thought that people. was, again, when prayer becomes a priority, you find a way to pray with people and for people. 
That's the whole point I'm trying right. to make. We, we wanted that to be the last. That's the last thing that we cancel. You know, if you have yeah. to cancel things, if you have to change things, that's that's the one thing that you cannot sideline. You have mm. to keep prayer central. I know. Also, in your annual planning session, kind of where we started with this, you have time for your deacons to pray, deacons and wives to pray with different couples during that day as well, right? Right. Before we ever start planning yeah. anything, we have a time of prayer. We divide up into small groups and we bring this day before the Lord. And yeah. that's so important to set our attitudes. It gets us, you know, nobody's quite spiritual on a Saturday morning, perhaps, but <laughs> it gets you in the it gets you in the right place. You it are does. praying to the Lord. You are it focusing does. on uh, being it submissive does. to him Amen. and allowing him to be the one to lead. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Anything else you have there you want to share? This is great. All right. Give everybody your email address, especially those who may be thinking, okay, I need to do this season of prayer, and they may want to talk to you. Give your email address, please. Sure. You can email me at pastor at harvestrockhill.org, harvestrockhill.org. And uh, you can, of course, go to our website, harvestrockhill.org. My contact information is there on the website as well. I'll be happy to send any information I have, any, you know, forms we've done or... And your sample of the Connect card... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll yeah. send you what we have. And I think the real key is just as you pray for your people, you also develop a love and a burden for people. Yes. And you really do care about them. Great. All right. So and my email address is mfant at gfamissions.org, mfant at gfamissions.org. But Marshall, thanks for your time. I want to thank GFA for, thank again, you. sponsoring this podcast and, and hopefully being a blessing to churches. And then you also can check out our webpage, gfamissions.org. We have a library there of all the podcasts we've done. We've got a lot of information on the virtual roundtables we're doing. So be sure and check out that website. Marshall, thanks for being with us. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. It's a privilege. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.